Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hi guys. Hey, Hello hey. everybody. Hey guys. If you didn't listen to episode 99, this is the continuation of our bracket countdown of the top 32 co-ops of all time, so stop listening and go listen to episode 99. But guys, we made it to episode 100, who would have thought? Woo-hoo. Yeah. And if our episodes. voices sound hoarse, it's not at all like we're recording this right after we recorded episode 99. That's definitely not happening. <laughs> so I'm 27 <laughs> beers in already. <laughs> <laughs> so this one should be really good. By the way, a one-stop co-op shop does not endorse drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but Peter does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into the episode, we'd like to thank our patrons uh, from Patreon. Today we're thanking Peter O'Reilly, who is a co-op lover, William Young, who is a co-op fan, and the fool dude Patrick from the Slack, one of our most active Slack members. He is a co-op MVP. Uh, hasn't sent us a message yet, though, but hopefully we'll get one to read for him soon. So thank you, Peter, William, and Patrick for your amazing support, and thank you for everyone supporting us. Uh, hey, if we can get to $150 monthly on Patreon, Colin and I will record a playthrough. And the idea I had, Colin, was for you to do a play of Lord of the Rings with me and me to do a play of Arkham with you. I think a lot of people would like to see that. So get us to $150 on Patreon. Should be awesome. I would love that, by the way. So speaking of Colin, Colin, what's your Patreon MVP message? You guys rock. <laughs> he's so creative with that yeah. I, love, I love it <laughs> yeah so we've been doing this for gosh a little over two years now as mike said on the last podcast and just a little fun fact for you guys i think i've said this before but it's kind of cool to look back at the numbers the first year of our podcast we actually had only 6700 downloads Our first full year of the podcast, so that would be 2018, we had over 52,000 downloads. And this year already, halfway through the year, we've had over 52,000 already just this year alone. So the amount of growth we've had over the last 100 episodes has been amazing. Thank you all so much for following us, downloading us, subscribing to the podcast, writing reviews on iTunes supporting us through patreon we really appreciate everything you've done for us so thank you from the bottom of our hearts 100 episodes in and we've got many many more to go we're not stopping anytime soon and speaking of not stopping this bracket of the best co-op game of all time isn't stopping either i'm about to say what the winner was last week of the groups one and two going against each other so please go listen to that and don't listen to this But if you're still here, the winner was Arkham Horror, the card game, in a close vote over Gloomhaven, the number one seed. So an upset to put Arkham Horror, the card game, the fifth seed in the finals. So we're going to jump right in with group three. Here are our matchups. We have Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Season 2 was already knocked out last week. That's the number two seed going against Journeys in Middle Earth, a new kid on the block, the 31st seed. Pandemic Iberia, so got two pandemics here, the 15th seed versus Legendary Encounters, Alien, the uh, deck building version with aliens, that's the 18th seed. 
Mansions of Madness Second Edition. That's the app uh, integrated game. Seventh Seed versus the Exit Game Series. I forget which one fell in this ranking, but it's the best ranked one. This is uh, one of those unlock Exit games. That's a twenty six seed. And finally, Imperial Assault, using the app that allows co-op play versus Zombicide Black Plague. Imperial Assault is the 10 seed, Zombicide Black Plague the 23rd seed. So, who'd like to talk about Pandemic Legacy Season 1? Pandemic Legacy Season 1 kind of took the board gaming community by storm when it was first released. It was the knockout for the Legacy concept of games. If it's not familiar with Legacy, Legacy is the type of game where you sit down and play it and you will actually rip up and draw on cards, put stickers on the board, and basically have a unique experience in that game. It took the tried-and-true pandemic formula and added some interesting twists to it. So this game you play over a year worth of time in the game, so it's 12 months, and you can replay months to try and win it, and it tells a cohesive story through the whole campaign. All right, and uh, Peter, why don't you tell us about Journeys in Middle-Earth? All right, before I get into that, I'm going to say Pandemic Legacy Season 1, amazing experience. I loved it, but it is only a one-time-through experience where Journeys in Middle-Earth is probably one of my favorite dungeon crawl experiences I've had. Now, I will say it is a two-player experience. I understand it goes two to four, and at four players, the timing is a little bit different, where people feel like it's too rushed. You have to kind of skip some things. With two players, it has none of those problems. So I would say if you are going to play it, it's probably better to play it lower player counts, but that doesn't make it a bad game. I mean, there are many games that play better at lower player counts or higher player counts that work better. So it is a re-implementation of the Mansions of Madness system where you are going around exploring. There's only three actions you can do. You can move, you can explore, and you can interact with something on the board. So it's very simple to play. But the story that comes out of it, the combat in there, I just really enjoy all of the things that come out of this game. And I love exploring the story. The new expansion came out today. I just bought it. So for me, it is a... It isn't necessarily a great Lord of the Rings experience. I think it is a great dungeon crawl adventure experience. All right. So I've randomized the voting order, and we'll kind of progress through it as we go through the games. Colin, you are first. Pandemic Legacy Season 1 or Journeys in Middle-Earth? Yeah, so I've played through Season 1 twice. I've also played through all of the first campaign of Journeys, and I'm halfway through doing it a second time. Uh, So I have a lot of experience with both games, and I'm going to say hands down, it's Journeys in Middle-Earth. I think Pandemic Legacy Season 1 was amazing when it came out, but the thing that Journeys provides to you is being able to replay the game. I'm having a totally different experience playing it a second time, even though I know the general story. We've had different scenarios come up because we've done different choices. So to me, hands down, Journeys is the better game. It's just got more of that campaign feel, and you can replay it. So I'm second by the randomness, and I hate to be because I've only played, I think, three months of Pandemic Legacy Season 1, whereas I've played more Journeys in Middle-Earth. I kind of wish that it was taken out of my hands, but I will vote. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Pandemic as a system overall. Most of my opinions on Pandemic Legacy Season 1 are based on other people saying it's one of the best game experiences they've ever had. The part I played was fine, but I wanted kind of cool stuff to happen each month, and that did not happen, at least in the months I was playing. It seemed like a lot of the cool stuff had already kind of passed me by. So, oh God, it hurts me to say it, but I'm going to go with Colin and also say Journeys in Middle Earth. Uh, so, yeah, that's two votes for Journeys. Peter, you're next. So, for me, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, there will be almost... 
I find it really hard to imagine that any game will hit me as hard as that one did. That any game will change the way I think about games as much as that one did. With that all being said, if I'm going to play a game, I'm going to play Journeys in Middle-Earth because, as Colin said, it's a one-playthrough game. So it's an amazing experience for me, but something that I can't replay, so I can't I can't put it over something that I'm looking forward to playing for years. So for me, it's Journeys in Middle-Earth as well. Wow. So that's a three in a row for the 31 seed over the two seed. Ouch. Uh, Elijah and Steve, you don't matter necessarily. Well, you matter. Of course, we love you. <laughs> I see what but it is. in this vote, you don't matter. But uh, what would you have said? Hey, what's that? I got to go. Um, <laughs> uh, so it would have been journeys for me as well. I think the uh, the way that they did the app and the campaign, the replayability, as Colin had mentioned, I, the card play is really unique in the game and Pandemic Legacy, while fun, I just think I would it would go to journeys. Wow. All right, uh, Steve, you want to throw a bone Pandemic Legacy's way? This is really a hard one for me. I had a lot of fun in Legacy Season 1, and Journeys is totally my style of game, and I love the Lord of the Rings IP. But the fact that I'm sitting in my game room right now, and I have the Pandemic Legacy Season 1 board mounted on my wall as a memory to that game, and like I can sit down with my wife and look at what we played, I'll give a nod to that one. There we go. All right, so one vote for Pandemic Legacy Season 1, but it is ousted. Sorry, Board Game Geek and listeners, potentially. Uh, Journeys of Middle-Earth will advance the 31 seed to the next round. And hey, we got some Pandemic for your Pandemic. Pandemic Iberia, 15th seed versus Legendary Encounters, the alien deck-building game, 18th seed. So I'll talk about Pandemic Iberia. This is one of those little historical ones they do, what is it, every six months or every year? This one is set, as the name implies, in the Iberian Peninsula. That's Spain and Portugal, for those not geographically minded. And this is kind of a cool one, uh, in my opinion, because it is a throwback to earlier technology. So, for example, you cannot permanently cure the diseases. And also, movement is a lot tougher. You can't just fly like back and forth over the entire world. You have to either take uh, ocean transport, or you can lay down railroads. And I think it's really cool because I think the railroad building is more engaging and more interesting than the kind of basic supply depot setting up of regular pandemic. I think this is more varied than regular pandemic and kind of goes a different way each time. I love the theme. I I love the change in kind of the feel of the game. And also a nice thing that I think puts this above regular pandemic in terms of value is that this one has a bunch of nice little variants right out of the gate. So you can make the game harder or more varied uh, without buying any expansions whatsoever. So I think there's a really great, you know, for someone who doesn't like pandemic, this is one of the top ones in the series for me. All right. So he wants to talk about Legendary Encounters, the alien deck building game. I'll cover this one. If you've played Legendary, Marvel Legendary, or any of the other Legendary games, you know how the system works. You are drafting Ascension style from a pool of characters from the Alien movies. And the cool part about Alien Encounters is that every chapter you play is a different movie. So you get to play through all the movies. And once you've done that, you can continue playing it by mixing and matching all the sets together. And so you can have like aliens from the first one along with heroes from the last one. So I really like the system. I think this is the pinnacle of that system. And so for me, Alien Encounters really encompasses what a deck builder in this Ascension style should be. And there's a lot of cooperation in it as well because they have cards that actually let you play during other people's turns and then you get to redraw that card. So you're not hurting yourself by doing so and it gives you that more cooperative feel than in most of the Legendary games. 
All right, so uh, I'm first to vote here, and this is actually sort of a tough one for me. I've only played Pandemic Iberia a couple of times, and I've played Legendary Encounters, the alien version, like 30 or 40 times, but I haven't played it in a long time, and I did trade it away to Peter because I kind of got a little bit tired of the Legendary deck-building formula. But that being said, I've played uh, Legendary Encounters so much, I think it is by far the best Legendary Encounters for me. I didn't love X-Files or Firefly or Predator, but this one is great. And I love the Aliens movies. I love uh, the first two, at least. So, yeah, I'll definitely go for Legendary Encounters for my first vote. Peter? And I'm going to mimic what you said. Obviously, I bought it from you, so I did like the system myself. And I love how it makes you feel like you're in those movies. So, for me, Legendary Encounters... I played Iberia. I haven't played it a lot. It may have shifted otherwise, and I'm sorry, Matt Leacock. Thank you so much for being on the show, but we're going to vote down two of your games in a row, I think. All right, Elijah. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Matt, but your games suck. They're wonderful. Thanks for coming on the show. I love it. Um, so again, I'm not a fan of the pandemic system. I've not actually played either of these games. Uh, I know about them both. And for me, it would go, I'd go with legendary encounters. I've actually, I love the aliens movies, being a fan of the nemesis, just watched aliens covenant, uh, last night. And, uh, it would definitely be legendary. I'm not, again, not a big deck builder fan, but I'm going to go with legendary encounters here. All right. So that takes out both pandemic ones in this group, but, uh, Steve, what would you have voted? So the last matchup was close for me. This one, not so much. I just don't have any interest in Pandemic Iberia, sorry. I've played other Pandemics, they're fine, I don't need to play another one like that. And I really like the Legendary Systems, and I really like what they did different on the Encounters setup with the scanning and having avatars, so definitely Encounters gets my vote. All right, and Colin, what would you have said? Yeah, I would have also gone with Encounters. I do like Iberia a lot. It is one of the Pandemics that I have kept, but the Encounters with the theme, you really feel like you're in the theme of the game. You're in the theme of the movies, and that's that just kind of engrosses you in that game. Iberia, just it just feels too abstract. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Encounters as well. So that'll put Legendary Encounters uh, at rank 18 versus Journeys in Middle-Earth, which is the 31st seed. And hey, as long as they keep coming out with movies, they're going to keep coming out with expansions, apparently, because there's a new expansion that just came out of Gen Con this year. Oh, that's right, for Alien Covenant, right? Yep. There you go. <laughs> so it's not I dead yet. Note, by the way, that we have knocked out every version of Pandemic that's been on the bracket, and it is the most represented game series. Uh, the only one that's left is the big daddy of them all, Pandemic, and looking at its opponent, I think it will get knocked out, too. Uh, but anyway, we will move on. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, the 7th seed, versus the Exit series, the 26th seed. So Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition took the game that was the 1st edition, which was a one-versus-many haunted house mystery setup, into a fully cooperative game that's supported by an app. And this was a very exciting announcement at Gen Con when the news was released, and they had early copies there. And I was one of the suckers that bought this one, and I had a lot of fun playing it. There's some fun elements to it. There's fun mysteries in it. The game's fairly simple with the actions you can do, but each of those scenarios plays a lot differently, and there's definitely a hidden puzzle behind there you have to try to figure out how to solve. I won't go into too much more of it, but if you're interested in the Arkham Adventure game where you can all play co-op or maybe even have a trade element in there, Mansion of Madness may be your game. 
All right, and Kyle, why don't you tell us about Exit? Yeah, so Exit is one of the many types of games that we've been seeing coming out recently that are like the Escape the Room games. So instead of you having to go to a place and do an Escape Room event where you get a bunch of people together, you try and break out of a room within an hour, you can now do it at your own home. With Exit, the the difference is you actually will destroy the game while you play it. So it's a one-time play only, but that does mean that the puzzles are very unique. So it is one of the favorites of my family over here, uh, the Exit series, because those puzzles can be very different because you might have to cut stuff up, you might have to rip things, you might have to punch holes through something, just look through it, and all of a sudden that gives you the answer to the clue. I will say that Exit has less of a theme and more about the puzzles than maybe something like Unlock, but if you're really into puzzles and you're really into solving those in a short amount of time, usually an hour, uh, then that's that's the Exit series for you. All right, so Peter, your first to vote, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition or Exit? So I'm going to cheat here. I do love Mansions of Madness a lot, and I think it's a great game, and I think it's a great system. I've had my ups and downs with it over my plays, but I've come to love the simplicity of it. I think Journeys of Middle-Earth does a better job of implementing what it's trying to do, and of course it should, because it's a second edition of doing the same thing. So I think there are a lot more tactical choices there. So uh, nothing against Mansions of Madness, but what I'm going to say here is I am using Exit because it is the only escape room game on this list, as my proxy for all escape room games. (laughs) I tell you, there's no genre of game I have been loving more than these escape room games. That includes Unlock, that includes Deckscape, that includes Exit. I bought them all. I just bought a new Deckscape today. I love these series of games. And I don't know what it is. I'm not a big puzzle guy normally, but I just love the puzzles that come in these games. And so for me, it's an easy choice. I love the Escape Room games, and Exit's a great example of it. So for me, I'm going with Exit. All right, Elijah, how about you? This is tough. I sold mansions, but I'm not a big fan of puzzle games. Uh, I like theme. Uh, I like how the app is done in mansions. Uh, I don't know. This is so tough. You know, the other thing is, uh, so Journeys is, I think, a more refined, polished experience. And there's a lot of our um, Elder Tour type cons- uh, material out there. So I'm going to have to go with the Exit series, I guess. I don't know. This is tough. Yeah, it's weird. This was totally unintentional because, again, I took these from the rankings, but all three games, except for Descent 2nd Edition, all three games that use kind of that app, that FFG app, are Mm -hmm. on here. uh, Journey to Middle-Earth, Imperial Assault, and Mansions of Madness. Yeah, it's tough because, I mean, uh, it's literally... 50 50 for me and then uh, you know i'm kind of going with peter that the, the the exit is really the whole series right so i don't know all right well we've got two for exit steve which way are you gonna go this is a tough one they both kind of have limited replayability in a sense well i mean you play mansions more than that because this is actually a board game in there but really the whole draw for me for mansions is that puzzle once i kind of figure out what's going on for that particular mystery, I kind of know what to expect and how to play it, and the clues aren't as exciting. I mean, I know the, the mansion does change, but the base storyline is kind of the same. So I'm looking at something like that versus something Exit, which is obviously one playthrough and you're done because you cut up stuff. And I think with the time spent on both of them, I'd rather sit down and do a quick puzzle like Exit than playing Mansion to Madness. Wow, so that's three for Exit. Uh, Callum, which way would you have gone? I also go exit. Uh, I played Mansion of Madness one time with my wife, and she and I absolutely despised it. So (laughs) I sold it immediately after that. So yeah, definitely the exit series. We love it. We've bought every single one of them and enjoyed them all. 
Ah, well, yeah, I don't really like Mansions of Madness that much. I think it's got a lot of flaws, and I think most of the games are way too long, like three or four hours, and I just kind of get bored with it. But I really am not a fan of the Destruction in the Exit series. I like the fact that I can sell my copy of Mansions of Madness or download new uh, scenarios for just a couple of bucks sometimes. So I'll be the sole voice uh, arguing for Mansions of Madness, but I'm outvoted. Exit in an upset. The 26th seed will advance. And for our final match in the Group 3, we have Imperial Assault, another game with an app, versus Zombicide Black Plague. So uh, who'd like to talk about Imperial Assault? So Imperial Assault, Star Wars in a Box. It's uh, produced by Fantasy Flight. It's a wonderful game, bringing in a lot of characters from the universe. The cool thing about this game is it's got multiple gameplay styles in the box. So you have the one versus many where players playing the Empire and you have one or more players playing the Rebels through a campaign system. You have a tactical sort of skirmish where you sort of pick dudes from the Star Wars universe and duke it out. And then later added was the app. And uh, that brings a co-op gameplay to Imperial Assault where you basically play through some scenarios and the app dictates the movement of the kind of like the AI of the Empire on the board. So it's a lot of fun. The minis are really produced really wonderful. The artwork on all the cards is really nice. Um, there's so much variety in the box. If you if you're able to play through a one versus many campaign, you know, again, if you want dudes on a map in Star Wars, kind of pick your powers and cards. And um, and then again, playing through the app is a lot of fun. They've released several um, in-app purchase campaigns and um, they've been interesting. We covered this on an earlier podcast review. The AI is a little wonky in the app. Um, there's a little bit of checks that you kind of have to do. I think AI is better implemented in um, some other games, but it works and it's actually not as bad once you've played it for a little bit and you get used to it. So um, just a, it's a really great game. Uh, Star Wars in the box. All right. Thanks, Elijah. And uh, Peter, you want to talk about Zombicide Black Plague? Sure. Zombicide Black Plague is a game I play a lot with my kids. It's a neat beer and pretzels game. And yes, I feed my kids beer and pretzels every time they play. (laughs) (laughs) But the miniatures are amazing. The gameplay is fairly straightforward and simplistic. So you can play with people who love the zombie theme. You can play with people who aren't into games necessarily. It's not something that would be hard to introduce to new gamers. So it's just a game that is easy to get to the table and decently fun to play. I have some problems with the balance and that's my biggest complaint about the game where you know someone levels up ahead of everybody else they get a great weapon or whatever it's easy for them to out level the group so that's my one big negative for the game but i do have fun when i play it and i don't have to think too hard so that always makes me happy cool so elijah your first to vote imperial assault or zombicide black plague it's going to be Imperial Assault. There's just more to play in the box. I'm a big fan of Star Wars and uh, Zombicide, well, really cool. And I think the mechanics, the rules are done really well. And I enjoy the theme. Uh, it's going to be Imperial Assault. All right, Steve. I like what they did with the Zombicide Black Plague. They improved on the original Zombicide rule set by adding tiered weapons and spells and kind of this neck match that runs around. It's, it's a fun game. I enjoyed it. But Imperial Assault... While I dislike the AI in that game, it's just really wonky and hard to use. It just screams Star Wars. And they have these really cool cinematic moments in that game where it's like, oh yeah, this is that scene from that movie. That's awesome. But Imperial Solid, Star Wars Unboxed, it's got that really cool scene from the movie and really stands out to me. So while the AI is wonky, I would rather play Imperial Assault. Two for Imperial Assault. How about you, Colin? Well, we'll just put that as a third. I am currently painting my set of Imperial Salt, and I sold Zombicide right after doing the playthrough. I did not enjoy that game very much. <laughs> uh, Imperial Salt 
yeah, it's it's about the Star Wars theme. It's about feeling a lot more tactical than Zombicide. I, I just feel like there's a lot more to the game of Imperial Assault than there is for Zombicide. Yeah, and I'll be a fourth voice there. And for me, Imperial Assault, I totally agree with Steven Elijah that the AI is not what I would have wanted, and I wish it was more streamlined. But what's even worse than that is having to move 50 silly zombie miniatures around a board in a really <laughs> brain-numbing way every dang turn. So I'll take bad AI over annoying, <laughs> fiddly yes. AI every dang time. So yeah, it's four every for time. Imperial Assault. Well, for me, it's just picking which one's going to lose to exit anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I agree with you guys. While the AI in Imperial Assault is annoying, it's... It's not that much easier to do in Zombicide either. There are always little rules questions I have to look up, even though the, the game is fairly simplistic and straightforward. And it really bothers me that someone can out-level the group so much. So Zombicide, while it is fun, light beer and pretzels game, it's it's got some things that hold it back for me. So I'm going to go with Imperial Assault as well. Although I will say, Steven Elijah, you are wrong. It is not Star Wars in a box. That is Star Wars Rebellion. That game is amazing. I know it's not co- cooperative, but that is Star Wars in a box for me. I totally agree, Peter. I resent. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I in terms of representing the movie, I agree. <laughs> Same thing with uh, War of the Ring versus Lord of the Rings, the card game. I think War of the Ring kind of covers the whole actual, actual books better. Yes. Totally. Well, Lord of the Rings, the card game is just an exercise in mathematics. So, yeah, of course. So maybe I should have said Star Wars in a box co-op. Like, I get what the hell it is, you know. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, actually. Elijah, you didn't let my dig sink in. <laughs> now i will say by the way I'm, I'm sort of glad imperial assault won because we had all upsets in this group so far <laughs> so if it did, like you know rank 26 versus seed 23 that would be a little bit silly all right uh with that being said we are in round two for group three let's run through these quickly we've got journeys in middle earth versus legendary encounters alien uh exit versus imperial assault and we're going to start with steve journeys in middle earth versus legendary encounters uh, this one's pretty simple for me. I would definitely want to play Journeys of Middle-Earth way more than Legendary Encounters Alien. Legendary System I liked a lot, but the Lord of the Rings IP and just kind of the whole immersion that Journeys of Middle-Earth provides wins it for me. All right, Colin? Journeys as well. I've been playing. I played a whole campaign. I'm doing another one. I haven't pulled out Legendary Encounters since my playthrough almost a year and a half ago. So to me, I pick up Journeys anytime. Yeah, this is actually a tough one for me. I was literally about to vote for Legendary Encounters, but then I remembered that my 30 playthroughs of that were almost exclusively solo, whereas Journey to Middle-Earth, I think, is really easy and accessible to get anyone to play it with. I've, I've played it with my six-year-old. I'm not going to try Legendary Encounters with him on that. So, yeah, I guess I'll go. I was not going to vote this way, but I'm going to go Journeys as well. So that's three for Journeys. How about you, Peter? Well, it's funny. I thought I was going to have to sell you guys on Journeys this entire time. So that's why my description was totally a sales job. But yeah, no, I mean, I love Journeys in Middle-Earth. I think it's a great game. All right, and Elijah? I would agree with all of you, and it would have been Journeys as well. All right, so that's five for Journeys. Moving on. And now we have Exit versus Imperial Assault. Colin, you're going to start this one. Yeah, I got to go Imperial Assault. I know Exit. Oh, boo. Get out of here. I know, I know. Exit's great. Exit's great. And that series of games is wonderful. But I personally really love the tactical movement of Imperial Assault. I know you guys don't like the AI. I just didn't really have much of a problem with it. Maybe it's because someone taught it to me first. I didn't have to learn it on my own. And so now it's just, it's easy. And so I really enjoy playing the game. It feels like I'm playing in the Star Wars universe. And I really think the app is a lot of fun. So for me, it's Imperial Assault. 
at the beginning of this, I know I said we we're going to looking forward to our next hundred plus episodes, but I'm going to have to pull the podcast right now. It's no, it's no good. <laughs> well, sorry to say this, Peter. I'm voting Imperial Assault as well. And if this was actually Unlock versus Imperial Assault, I would have a very tough decision. But it's not. It's Exit. And you throw that game away after you play it. And that's ridiculous. Imperial Assault is, as Elijah mentioned, an incredible value for the game. And while I have a problem with the AI, I think everything else in the co-op is great. And I agree with... Uh, Colin, <laughs> and I agree <laughs> with dude. Colin that it's some of the best tactical combat, like in sort of a dungeon crawler tactical minis game I've played, and I love the leveling and how diverse the characters and classes can get. So yeah, totally Imperial Assault for me as well. And uh, Peter, I think we know where you're going. I'm going to throw you away after I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's an angry drunk, but how are you voting, buddy? <laughs> it's exit all the way. Of course. Right, so. and, and not only exit, but every escape room game. Keep that in mind, guys. No, that's not. <laughs> that is not only it. how you're it's voting. Exit. All right, so Elijah, Imperial Assault versus Exit. What are we at? Is it two and two here? No, it's uh, two and one. Peter's the only exit so far. So, Peter, should I pick exit? Is that what you want? Yes, pick okay. exit. Uh, so I'm going to go with Imperial Salt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, but Peter. Why See, would I pick? Why would I pick the crappy game over the awesome game? Like, come on. Oh. <laughs> wow! All right, so Peter, I think your little bird about Star Wars in a box uh, more than rewarded and revenged. Oh, you guys are just wrong. People can be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> All right, and uh, Steve, how would you vote on these? So while I have some issues with Imperial Assault with like the AI and I wish the leveling was better, it the cinematic moment sell for me. And the exit game, while I do enjoy the escape room games, sometimes they can stall out in the middle of the solving the puzzles, and I don't get that feeling in Imperial Assault. So Imperial Assault it is. All right, wow. I don't think I would ever have called this. And I will say on the Slack, people were talking about the groups, and group three was clearly the totally up for grabs one. We have the 31st seed, Journeys in Middle-Earth, versus the 10th seed, Imperial Assault, two fantasy flight games with miniatures using almost the exact same app system, one set in the wildly popular Lord of the Rings universe, one set in the wildly popular Star Wars universe. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and I'm first. Great. Uh, why am I first? Uh, I was introducing it. I didn't even think what I wanted to say about the games. Okay, okay. Um, huh. I think Journeys in Middle-Earth is more accessible and simpler. I think Imperial Assault is a better tactical game and a more thinky experience. I think the app is a little bit better integrated in Journeys in Middle-Earth. But if you ask me which game I want to play right now, even though I think I like Lord... No, I definitely like Lord of the Rings more than Star Wars in terms of an IP, but I would definitely say Imperial Assault over Journeys in Middle-Earth. Even though Journeys is the newer game, I think it is a little bit too dumbed down for me compared to Imperial Assault. Imperial Assault has just tons of depth, and I adore it. All right, Peter. Well, I'm done selling because apparently that didn't work. <laughs> P- Peter, wait, what's your job, by the way? Yeah, I was going to say, don't quit your day job. <laughs> My day job is selling. Leave me alone. <laughs> so for me, Journeys in Middle-Earth is a better game. It is a more fun game. It is easy to run. It is easy to play. It is easy to set up and get to the table. So any day of the week, I'd rather play Journeys in Middle-Earth over Imperial Assault. All right, Elijah. Yeah, you know, this is interesting because it is, they're both app, they're both tactical, they're both great IPs. Um, Journeys is a little too dumbed down for me. 
I like how the app integrates in Journeys, but in some ways I feel like it's too app-centric. Like a lot happens in the app, which is great. And I think the variety you get in Imperial Assault, I just love the way that you can sort of upgrade your characters, the cards, it just the the decisions that come through in the game is just better. And uh, I'm going to go with you, Mike, that I think between the two, it's a tough pick, but right now I'd definitely pick Imperial Assault. There is right, no way Imperial Assault's winning this bracket. Get out of here. <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we? Uh, right now, it's up one, two from Pure Assault, one for Journey Steve. Yeah, this one's a little close one. It's um, it's tough. And I think, based upon there are some things in Pure Assault that just kind of rub me the wrong way, I have to get a nod to Journeys of Middle-Earth. There you go, Steve. All tied up. Colin, you get to decide once more. Okay, you guys. Well, ah, this is hard. Okay, I I love both games. I have Journeys fully painted. I have Imperial Assault middly painted. Dang it. Well, that, that, that's not Journey's fault, though. I mean, that's not Imperial Assault's fault, because Imperial Assault has like three times or four times the miniatures, right? You're right. You're right. That, that, you know, that's a very good point. Uh, but I think I've got to go with Journeys. And the reason uh, yes! I, yeah, the reason I'm going with Journeys is the card play in that game sells it for me. I know people think it's similar or samey over and over again, and I don't know if it's because whenever I've played it, I've played it controlling two characters, so we've actually always played with four, but I've only played with two people, because when you do that, you have a lot more decisions each turn, because you're deciding for two characters, and we then spend 10 to 15 minutes, okay, you're going to go over here, and then I'll go over here, and I'll complete this thing, and I'll interact with this guy, and then all of a sudden everything changes because something happens in the app, and oh, it's so wonderful, and uh, an Imperial Salt, you do all this planning, and then you roll some dice. And then you do some planning, and you roll some more dice. And so I, I really, really like the journeys checking for those successes, and then scouting and putting down your cards to use them for later. Yeah, I got to give the nod to journeys. All right, this is a 31st seed, and I think with Nemesis, one of the two newest games on this list, and it is in the final four. I don't know how many people voted for that one. I think it's a very low number, so that's going to definitely cut out a ton of people in terms of the winner of our bracket challenge. But we are moving on to group four, our final group. We have Spirit Island, third seed, versus Burgle Brothers, 30th seed. Pandemic, the original, 14th seed, versus Lord of the Rings, the card game, 19th seed. Mage Knight, 6th seed, versus Space Alert, 27th seed. And Robinson Crusoe, 11th seed, versus Chronicles of Crime, 22nd seed. And man, can, can I just say, there are some heavy, heavy hitters in this bra- <laughs> uh, group here, right? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, like, I wish we had taken some of these and put them in group three, so that would have been a bit more interesting, because there were some, yeah. All right, anyway, we're going to jump uh, right in with uh, Spirit Island versus Burgle Brothers. Who'd like to talk about Spirit Island? So Spirit Island's into the game. It takes the tried and true theme of developing on some land and twitches on its head. In this game, you are playing as these spirits are these island gods, and these colonists are trying to settle and develop on the land, but you are siding with the natives and trying to kick them off. So the whole game, you are trying to grow in power, get more energy, and play cards in such a way that you can scare them or straight up eliminate them from the board. All right, and uh, who wants to talk about Burgle Brothers? I can jump in for Burgle Brothers. So, Burgle Brothers, you and a band of teammates are breaking into a bank, and you are trying to break open a certain amount of safes and get out from the top of the building before you're captured by any of the guards. 
It's a game where you have the basic kind of pandemic feel. You've got four actions. You'll do them, and then the guards will respond and do an action. And then you are trying to find those specific safe tiles, as well as any tiles that are orthogonally or vertically adjacent to them, and then you unlock them by rolling some dice, then you run up to the top floor and you try and get out of the building before someone is caught more than three times. All right, so a little overview of both. Thanks, guys. Peter, your first to vote here, Spirit Island or Burgle Brothers? You know, I feel bad about Burgle Brothers because it's a game we should have reviewed by now. We're 100 episodes in and we still haven't reviewed one of the best co-ops of all time. It really is a great game, but I'm sorry, you ran up against Spirit Island in round one. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> rough seed here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I think for most of us, Spirit Island is probably one of the favorites to win the whole thing. And it's just one of the best co-ops of all time. So definitely Spirit Island for me. Yeah, now I'm next. Uh, no question, it's going to be Spirit Island. Uh, I'll just mention I love the theme, how it turns it on its head and kind of takes this very troublesome, like problematic colonization theme that's so common in games and instead makes it all about indigenous people actually keeping their land. So yay for that. But Spirit Island's amazing. I'm going to vote for Spirit Island as well. Steve. Spirit Island is super engaging. Simultaneous turns, a lot of power to do, a lot of cooperation going on. I love that game so much. Burger Bellows is also fun... I really like the theme on that, but I do have an issue where sometimes when you're playing that game, it may make strategic sense for someone to kind of skip their turns and stay in one spot. And for that reason alone, that not everyone's engaged at all times in the game, I vote for Spirit Island. All right, Elijah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Burgle Brothers is fun thematically, a lot of fun, um, you know, happening in that game, but it's a little simplistic. The variety with the, with the spirits and everything with Spirit Island is just a better game. And Colin? Yeah, I'll just echo everything you guys said. Spirit Island all the way. All right, so clean sweep, Spirit Island advances. Next, we have the final chance for the Pandemic franchise. The original Big Daddy Pandemic 14th seed versus Lord of the Rings, the card game. Uh, Pandemic, I'll take this one. I haven't talked about one in a while. So Pandemic is about curing diseases. And it's a lot like the, all the other pandemic games we've talked about. <laughs> you have different roles. You have uh, four actions every turn. You're uh, trying to get cards, and they build up in your hand. And you're trying to trade them, and you're trying to kind of put out the fires of all the diseases and stuff and eventually cure the diseases. You put these supply depots around, and you can move from them, and you can play cards to move, but then you're cutting off your cards that you need to win the game. So there you go, Pandemic, one of the original co-op games that started the entire thing. We do have to give it credit for being incredibly innovative and really popularizing co-ops in a major sense. Okay, I don't know, Colin or Steve, who wants to take Lord of the Rings the card game? Lord of the Rings the card game, you guys probably heard a lot from this already, but if you haven't, this is uh, one of the first living card games, I believe. It's been out for a number of years now, and it's set in the Lord of the Rings IP. And what you're doing is you're grabbing three heroes from that universe and building a deck of 50 cards and going against a scenario that's controlled by an uh, encounter set. And so you're trying to go on quests, trying to complete locations to make progress on quests, trying to kill bad guys. And each quest is very different how it plays out. There's a lot of different variety in this game. Boss of different nature, you even go sailing in this game. And with the wide availability of how you can build your deck, there's a ton of different deck concepts out there. So if you like deck building before you sit down and play a game, or rather people use the term deck construction, take a look at this game, Lord of the Rings, the card game. All right, so I am first to vote here. And man, I have gone on record several times, uh, including on the Slack, about Lord of the Rings, the card game, and some of the issues I have with it. But today I want to talk about it in a little bit of a different way. 
And I want to say what I think is a little bit of an epiphany for my difficulty with the deck construction in Lord of the Rings. So the thing with the deck construction in Lord of the Rings, the card game, compared to Arkham Horror, the card game, because we've had debates about them, is that in Arkham Horror, I feel like I can build any deck and just kind of have the fun of exploring what happens with it. And even if it gets completely crushed, I'll still advance on. Whereas Lord of the Rings wants me to see what the puzzle of the scenario is and build a deck that in some way addresses that. So I can't just kind of play in my little like playroom with toys and build stupid decks that shouldn't do anything well and just see what happens, I'm going to get destroyed. I have to match the uh, match the scenario. And that's nothing against the game. I- I'm realizing it's nothing against the game. It's just my preference of deck construction. So that's just the thing I wanted to say briefly about Lord of the Rings. It's something that occurred to me recently. I do want to play it more because I want to kind of go in giving this puzzle mindset a chance. But that being said, I don't like Pandemic that much. I don't like that I wait around for cards to come into my hand. So I'm definitely 100% going to go for Lord of the Rings, even though it's not the kind of game that I want it to be sometimes. It's a great IP, great variety, and yeah, it's definitely, for me, a better game than Pandemic. Steve? So much is wrong on Lord of the Rings, (laughs) so gotta go up there. I don't build to build build decks to beat scenarios unless I've played it like five times, then maybe I'll do it to try to actually win it. But I build weird decks. I mean, everyone who plays with me can contest that. I use cards that I probably shouldn't use just because I want to see how they work. And I even use cards that are super powerful just because I get tired of using them. I don't use them in my deck. And the fact that you can build a deck to win a tired cycle, I mean, it's a way to actually play the game if you want to go that route. But enough of that. I love Lord of the Rings. And while Pandemic is a great game in its own, I liked it a lot when I first got it. But I played it out and... It just doesn't hold water anymore. It's not a game I will grab off the shelf at all. I'll grab it to introduce people to board gaming, but that's basically it. So my vote, Lord of the Rings, the card game. All right, two for Lord of the Rings. How about you, Elijah? So I think Pandemic did bring co-op to the forefront, and I think it made the game gaming accessible to a lot of people. That said, Lord of the Rings is definitely a better system overall. The artwork, the variety, just the co-op nature of it is just much better. I think Pandemic is going to get samey, and it is an older system. All right, so that means Lord of the Rings advances, but Colin, you want to say anything? Yeah, I think everyone said what we need to say. Lord of the Rings for me as well. All right, and Peter, I am curious, would you vote for Lord of the Rings here? I'd like to say thank you to Matt Leacock for coming on the show. (laughs) (laughs) We really appreciate all your contributions, and um, there's one person with you. I am am for Pandemic here. There we uh, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm sorry that everyone else in the group is wrong and they don't respect your contribution <laughs> to what we are as a co-op society and community. And uh, I'm with you, Matt Leacock. Pandemic all the way. All right, so we get a really nice, easy matchup for round two in group four. Spirit Island versus Lord of the Rings, the card game. Next will be Mage Knight, the 6th seed, versus Space Alert, the 27th seed. I know I'll probably be talking about Space Alert, since I'm sure I've played it more than any of you, but who'd like to talk about Mage Knight? I've played Mage Knight a ton. So, Mage Knight, you are in a universe, it's a fantasy, generic fantasy universe, you are a mage, you will start out with just a very basic set of cards, it's it's a slowly a deck builder, but uh, kind of not... Because uh, you only will put a few cards into your deck, but you will become substantially stronger because what you're going to do is you're going to explore this universe 
You have hex-based tiles you'll be exploring out. You'll find two cities. You'll try and defeat those cities. If you're playing cooperatively, there might be more than two cities. And what you'll do is you'll you'll gain units. Those units will be on the table. You'll also get a larger hand size, so you'll have more cards that you can play with. The real fun mechanic in the game is every card can be used for multiple things. You can always play a card sideways to get plus one movement, plus one attack. So it just gives you lots and lots and lots of different options. It's a huge puzzle game, but it's set in an adventure world, and the art is really nice. It just looks really good on the table, and they give you painted minis. So you have painted minis on the table as well, so it's got a great table presence, a great game. It's a wonderful solo, a little bit harder of a sell for co-op, but you can definitely do it. I just do not suggest it with more than two people. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing before I got into Space Alert, kind of pulling a Peter here, and same thing for The Seventh Continent. Uh, Mage Knight is wonderful solo, co-op, mm. But uh, I'm talking about Space Alert. This is one of uh, my favorite early co-ops. I love Vlada Chavadal and his designs. I love Czech Games Edition in general. So in Space Alert, you're all on a ship together. It's a real-time game. You can play... Uh, they have apps now that play it for you, but originally it came with a CD, or you could have somebody read the alerts while keeping track of time. That was <laughs> such a ridiculous thing. It's like, just let us play with a CD or a computer, guys. Come on now. But uh, you're trying to survive as these uh, threats come up. The actions are super simple. You just move or activate little buttons at your station, but the variety of threats is insane. Like, you can have things on your ship. You can have an alien chasing you, and you have to kill it before it molts and grows bigger. You can have uh, big and little ships. You can uh, jump into fighter jets and go fight people. It's a very intense cooperative experience because you have to be in this real time planning. It's, it's a programming game where you plan your actions ahead of time. And you don't find out how all those actions resolve until the end. So you get to laugh at like how Peter, you know, went left instead of right and shot the wrong cannon and you all got blown up by some giant blob. Well, laugh or cry, depending on how your experience with the game goes. But that's a space alert in a nutshell. All right, Steve, you're taking the votes first. How would you call for Mage Knight or Space Alert in terms of cooperative play? Mage Knight's a fun game. I really enjoy it. It's very thinky, but it's also very long. And I like it for a solo experience. It doesn't hit the table very long just because it's so long. Co-op, I've made the mistake of playing four players. I do not recommend that at all. I agree with everyone saying two players max for that one. But for me, I think I'd be way more interested in playing Space Alert if I was to play one of these two games at this point in time. The silly nature space alert, the theme itself, the chaos, the fact that you have to go wiggle a mouse as one of the actions just cracks me up. So space alert's my vote. All right, uh, Elijah? So these are both very different games when they you know hit the table and the experience is very different. Um, I think Mage Knight is a great game. The artwork is great. The the play, but as far as co-op goes, it's just not quite as interesting. There's not a lot happening. It's definitely more of a solo experience. In fact, I think it ranks really high in the solo guild, one player guild on um, Board Game Geek for uh, recommendations. So Space Alert, totally chaos at the table and just a lot more fun co-op. So definitely Space Alert. By the way, can I pause for a second? I'm an idiot. I mentioned that Space Alert was designed by Ch- Vlada Chavadal. Uh, Mage Knight was also designed by Vlada Chavadal. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that. Vlada Chavadal showdown right here. Yep, I was going to say that. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, so we've got two for Space Alert. Colin, what's your say? For me, I'd have to say from a co-op perspective, you got to go Space Alert. You have way too much fun when you play that game. When you play Mage Knight co-op, half the time you're going to be sleeping, and the other half you're going to be trying to remember what's going on. And I'm not even kidding. That's how long your turns can be. So for for me, Space Alert all the way. If we were talking solo, though, it would be a definite different decision there. So before we go any further, Colin, would you think that you could play Mage Knight simultaneously? 
Yes, there is a potential to play Mage Knight simultaneously. We did talk about that. Yeah, now you could do that. Yeah, I think for me that would make Mage Knight much better if you could do it as a simultaneous game. But I, most of my fun experiences with the game have been solo, and I'm not much of a solo gamer. So I'm going to agree with everybody else here. I think Space Alert as a co-op game is just a fun co-op experience. Yeah, and I'm also going to go Space Alert. I'm a big defender of this game. It is a, a favorite of mine. And it, it's funny, though. I'm looking at my uh, top 20 solo list because I'm about to go record that video uh, tomorrow. And you'll have seen it before this episode airs. But Space Alert is uh, number 12 and Mage Knight is number 11. So Mage Knight did edge it out on solo, but just barely because I really enjoy Space Alert solo. But yeah, co-op, there's no contest. I don't ever want to play Mage Knight with more than one player. But Space Alert, I adore with more than one player. The only negative is you got to teach it to people. That's kind of a an obstacle to playing frequently. But yeah, it's a great co-op game. So Space Alert, the 27th seed, will advance over Mage Knight, the 6th seed. And for our final round one matchup, we have Robinson Crusoe, the 11th seed, versus another newbie to the game, Chronicles of Crime, which I'm amazed to see is already the 22nd highest ranked co-op game on BoardGameGeek. I would not have expected that. So uh, who'd like to talk about Robinson Crusoe? Yeah, so Robinson Crusoe is one of my favorite co-ops. What you do in Robinson Crusoe is you try and survive, and you fail, usually. Uh, So what you're doing is you're stranded on an island. There are six different scenarios in the base game, and all of them will have different objectives that you're trying to complete. One of my favorites is you're actually trying to create a family. So it's the Robinson family scenario, and you're trying to actually create a family on the island. But the island keeps hitting you, giving you right and left jabs, and you have to figure out how to deal with it. How you do that is actually through worker placement. So you'll be placing your workers each round, and then uh, if you don't place both workers, you have to roll some dice, and the dice attack you, and then you die. Um, And that's usually a a main factor of the game. But that's part of the fun, is that still, even after dying, you can maybe win if you get enough done in the short amount of time that you have. So the game's a lot of fun, but it's very punishing. Uh, It's a great co-op as long as everybody knows the rules. (laughs) All right, and uh, Chronicles of Crime. Peter, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, I love Chronicles of Crime. It's a mystery game done right where you have pictures of people. So even if you're not somebody who's really good with names and remembering the names, you have pictures of the people and every single time it refers to them, it tells you what card number they are. So you can keep looking at that same person over and over again. So it really does a good job, I think, of taking these mystery games and taking what's hardest about it, which is taking notes, things like that. It takes a lot of it out of the game and brings it right to the fun part, which is the solving of the mystery itself. The other thing it does really well is VR. And it's the only game I know of, board game, that introduces VR. So when you go to a crime scene, you're looking through your app. So it is an app-based game, just to say that. I know some people don't like that, but for me, I don't mind app integration at all. And it isn't just an app game to me. There is a lot that is going on on the board. You get to see almost like what I think a lot of people like about Detective. It's it's making this board with attaching strings here and there. The nice part about Chronicles of Crime is you don't have to do that. It's all there done for you in the board game. So they take those pictures. They already put them on the board. They've already kind of connected the dots for you. So for me, it's it's just a great game. And I know Robinson, a lot of people say it's it's punishingly hard. Well, I agree, but in an unfair way, the way Ghost Stories is. So there's my little shot at Robinson Crusoe before we take the vote here. All right. So Elijah, you're first this round. Robinson Crusoe or Chronicles of Crime? 
again, very different games. Chronicles of Crime, to me, uh, I'm okay with apps in my games. Um, but to me, Chronicles of Crime, the app is too much the focus. Um, I'm also not a huge fan of like detective games. I'm very much the survival. Um, so I would have to go with Robinson Crusoe here. The, the tension, I'm okay with punishing games, being a fan of Eldritch Horror. The mechanics, the co-op nature is totally all over this game. And it's fun. The scenarios, the replayability, the experience every time you walk away is uh, a lot of fun. So definitely Robinson Crusoe. Yes. All right. Colin. Yeah. So for me, Robinson Crusoe all the way. I think the game is a lot of fun. And if you play it enough, you can actually be, do pretty well. I'm, I'm at the point now where I can win the first scenario nine times out of ten. So I think uh, a lot of it is just having an understanding of how those dice work. And which sort of which certain actions you need to place two workers versus one. I have a lot of fun with that. I played Chronicles of Crime with my wife. We played one scenario. It was okay, but it just it didn't grab us at all. And and uh, so when we play Robinson Crusoe, she loves it. I love it. So yeah, Robinson Crusoe all the way. All right, two for Robinson, Peter. Well, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer the other way. Chronicles of Crime is an amazing game, and I have fun with it every time I've played it. It, to me, is a detective game done right, and I actually compare it a lot to the Escape Room games, and maybe that's why people like it or not like it. It's just figuring out the puzzle, figuring out the mystery. I just love everything about it. I think the VR is done really, really well, and for me, Robinson Crusoe, it comes down to dice rolls, and sometimes you just roll to the point where your action is completely wasted, and not only that, let's throw on top of it that you get hurt or winter comes or something else bad happens, so I don't know. There are some things about Robin Crusoe that I really like, but overall, I, I just am not a fan of the whole system. Oh, man. So this is a really tough one for me, and I didn't think it was going to be. Because I actually sold my copy of Robinson Crusoe and Chronicles of Crime we gave a really positive review of. But I've soured a bit on Chronicles of Crime, having played it more. And I do think Robinson Crusoe is the better design. Kind of, I think it's impossible to argue with that. Chronicles of Crime, I agree with Elijah that it is way too app-heavy, although I love the VR. I do not mind the VR at all, but the fact that I have to scan everything, I don't love that. And I also don't love that it kind of becomes like an adventure game, like the old Monkey Island games, where I just have to, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I think a lot of the, the cases, I just get stuck, and I just scan everything. Bam, 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 scan, 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 and it's really monotonous and kind of mind-numbing. Ugh. The thing is, though, I think Chronicles of Crime is in a way more cooperative because you talk about the case and like as somebody's looking at the crime scene, you're pulling out the cards. Whereas Robinson Crusoe, I played almost exclusively solo and I don't love it co-op. It does have a great possibility for alpha gaming. <sighs> but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Con and Elijah. Sorry, Peter. I'm going to go for Robinson no. Crusoe. I just think it's a much better <laughs> yes, design. Yes, yes, yes. You're crazy. But, uh, you're all I, crazy. I do, but it is... It is pretty low for me. It's only because I've really soured on Chronicles of Crime to an extent. Not all the way. I think it's still good. But uh, yeah, Robinson Crusoe, I do not, do not think is a good cooperative game. But I think it's a better cooperative game as a design than Chronicles of Crime. Steve? When I first heard about Chronicles of Crime, I thought it was really clever how they were trying to implement a VR application into this. And seeing the end, seeing the end result, how they did that, I applauded them. Really smart. And a cool system scanning the cards and be able to reuse the same cards for additional content. That's a very smart system. But for me, I, the nod has to go through Robinson Crusoe. I love the survival theme. I love the adventure of that game. I love how you have a lot of luck mitigation when you need it, when it really matters. You can definitely do it and make that decision like, 
what action really matters to me, and I can normally find a way to make sure I get the result I need to win those games. It took me a while to figure that out, but like Colin said, like the first scenario, once you play it enough, you can actually win more often than not. So definitely Robson Crusoe. All right, so that means it'll be Space Alert versus Robinson Crusoe, and we are done with all the round one ones, so it's going to be pretty quick here, a zippy ending. Let's finish out group four, Spirit Island versus Lord of the Rings, the card game. Colin, you are first. I'm first? Yeah, this is a very tough one for you, I can imagine. (laughs) Okay, this, this is a challenge. Spirit Island is a wonderful game that is not expandable. Right, So they have an expansion, but it is all encompassed within the board game itself. Lord of the Rings provides you with so many different scenarios and so many different campaigns that you can play and so many different options of decks. I feel like I still have to go with Lord of the Rings over Spirit Island just from the standpoint that if I think of what I want to play right now, it's Lord of the Rings. I love Spirit Island. I think it's a great game. But Lord of the Rings, I have that ability to make my own deck. I I can make something totally unique and play it against the scenario and see how it goes. So, yeah, I got to go Lord of the Rings. All right, Peter. Oh, come on. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's not close. (laughs) I mean, Spirit Island is one of the best co-op games of all time. It plays well at all player counts. You can teach it very easily. I mean, it, it's amazing because it's kind of daunting at first looking, but I've introduced this to gamers of all levels and they've gotten into it really quickly. So for me, it's not close. Spirit Island is, and the theme as well. The theme is amazing and anybody can get into it. You don't have to be a fantasy lover to get into Spirit Island. So for me, it's a great ambassador for the hobby. It's a great game, Spirit Island. Yeah, I'm going to go Spirit Island as well. I do have a more positive view of Lord of the Rings when I think about it, but I still think it can be very frustrating. It can have incredibly harsh losses that make you feel not very good after lots of time working on building a deck. Whereas Spirit Island, my only complaint with that game is that the end game is sometimes unsatisfying. But besides that, it's the only 5-5 five and five of a review I've done that was all pros. I think Spirit Island is an amazing design. Such great value in one box. Such amazing variety in the spirits in a game that is very accessible. But if you want to play like... You know, with each of you controlling two spirits in a four-spirit game, you can get as complex as you want. So it's a phenomenal design. I'm definitely going to go Spirit Island. All right, Steve, it's one for Lord of the Rings, two for Spirit Island. How are you going? Oh, this is a tough one. I was dreading this matchup. These are two amazing <laughs> games, super high for me. So I said earlier that I love being able to explore what a game has to offer. Spirit Island, you got these powers and different spirit combinations you can do and how each spirit can interact with each other. And you have these different adversaries you can play with, adjust the difficulty. And I really like the event deck and that added in one of the expansions. It adds a lot to the game. Tons of room to explore in that one. Big fan. Lord of the Rings, what I can say about that. You can build like so many crazy decks out there. Silly things that shouldn't work, but they do. And I've had so many epic moments in that game where I can remember exactly what plays want and how... I may have screwed up a few games playing with others. I like Con of the Rings, for example. Or, or with me, Steve, the one time we played together. Yeah, maybe not the right setup for some of those. But, I mean, there's so many epic moments in that game that just really stand out to me. And I that game will never get old for me. But I think for me, if I had to pick one of them, I have to choose the one that's a little more approachable. The problem with a game that you have to build a deck up front, it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I think for that, I have to go with Spirit Island. Thank God. Oh. Thank God. Oh. 
I, I was not sure what Elijah was going to say. I thought yeah. he was going to go 2-2 two, two to Elijah. And man. But uh, Elijah, go ahead and have your vote. I, I was getting heartburned because I'm like, please, Steve, just call it. Like, <laughs> don't let this come to me. <laughs> so here's my take on it. They're both really, really awesome games. It is a very difficult matchup. The problem I guess I have is I'm going to agree with Peter on everything he said that to me, Spirit Island is more approachable. Uh, Mike, you hit it on the head as well that you, this is a game you're going to pull off your shelf and play. It's so much replayability, so much fun. It turns the whole genre on its head, right, where you're helping the um, natives. Lord of the Rings is really, really great. For me personally, it's too puzzly, and I almost, this is getting edging into the life um, lifestyle category, you know, where it's just kind of like Netrunner. It's it's something you really have to get into, really appreciate the value and of all the cards and the deck designs and all of that. And I think Spirit Island is nothing like that, right? You pull off the shelf, teach it to anybody. So for me, it would be Spirit Island for sure. All right, so uh, we got Spirit Island advancing to the, what is it, quarterfinals? Yes. Uh, all right, Peter, you are the first to vote on what will lose to Spirit Island, Space Alert, or Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, is there a question? Robinson Crusoe is a luck fest, and Space Alert's fun. So I'm going to pick Space Alert. <laughs> oh all right, I, I will not agree that Robinson Crusoe is a luck wow. fest. I think we can mitigate a lot of the luck. Yeah. Um, but I, I will go back to what I said. Like I said, for Chronicles of Crime, I think Robinson Crusoe is fairly weak as a co-op experience, and I mostly played it solo. Space Alert is a amazing co-op experience. So even though I would say the design of Robinson Crusoe is more uh, kind of ingenious and thoughtful, I'm going to go for a Space Alert as well here. Steve? Both the games sound pretty fun, but I love the adventure in Robinson Crusoe. I love how you decisions come back to haunt you later. It's got to be Robinson Crusoe. Love that game. All right, Elijah. I'm okay with either losing to Spirit Island, so no, um, I'm gonna. So I would agree. Space Alert's more fun to get to the table. But me personally, uh, if I was to pick between these two, it'd be, it'd be uh, Robinson Crusoe. Wait, so Space Alert's more fun, but you're voting Robinson Crusoe, right? So Space Alert is more fun from a co-op perspective. I think at the table, the chaos and sort of that that interplay between right the roles and things. For me personally, I love exploration. I'm a huge fan of history, Age of Sail. I love the concept of the whole Robinson Crusoe struggle to survive. That's more fun for me personally. And I think it is a very tight game mechanically. I don't quite see the luck coming through. Sure, there's some luck, but again, I don't mind throwing dice in Elder Tor. So for me personally, Robinson Crusoe, I think, is the better game if I was to pick between the two. All right, tied it up. Colin, which way are you going? Yeah, I got to go Robinson Crusoe all the way. I personally prefer that game i actually don't see any problem with the co-op whenever i've played that game with more than one person it's been a wonderful experience there's so much talking across the table you can help other people by putting other workers in locations to support them to guarantee that certain actions are done you when you have to go hunting you have to place two workers you might not even have two you might be able to send somebody else to help them with that so to me from a co-op perspective from an adventure perspective robinson crusoe beats out space alert space alert's fun don't get me wrong i like the game but robinson crusoe with the adventure with the scenarios with the challenge and with worker placement how many worker placement co-ops do you know i I really like that so yeah robinson crusoe all right so we've got robinson crusoe the 11 seed versus spirit island the three seed one of them will go up against journeys of middle earth and then one of those will go up against arkham horror the card game so before we go any further you heard it here first Episode 101, Steve, Elijah, Colin, covering Robinson Crusoe. 
<laughs> I would love to cover Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> no, no, that sounds fun. I, I, I think I, we should cover a game design mechanic of Luckfest and dice. And uh, Peter, maybe you could host for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see what see what you actually mean by a Luckfest, because I'd yeah. like to know. Well, yeah, again, I don't agree with Peter on that. And actually, Colin, with what you're mentioning, I haven't played Robinson Crusoe in a long time. I'm remembering that there is more co-ops. Maybe I was a little bit harsher there. But uh, it is me for Spirit Island versus Robinson Crusoe. Uh, no contest. I think Robinson Crusoe is a great design, but Spirit Island is a phenomenal design. I love the simultaneous nature, the variety. We've talked about it. It's great. I'm Spirit Island all the way. Steve. I love how we have two island games in this vote. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and one's focused on the white man surviving, and one's focused <laughs> on the indigenous people. <laughs> hey, they could be a people from other nation, nations of that shipwreck, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> not not with the art that's in the game. Yeah, yeah not with true. Robinson Crusoe. But uh, yeah, I was going to say fair, Robinson Crusoe fair. is definitely a white dude with uh, Friday helping him out. <laughs> and by, by the way, uh, I, this just a, a quick non sequitur. Friday in the book. From what I remember, maybe I'm wrong. I thought Friday was a Native American from the U.S. coast and not an African-American. But in the board game, he's an African-American. I'll look it up while one of you is talking, but I, I am a little bothered, if that's correct, that they have like this weird like racial mismatch for the game. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Steve, what do you think should win? I don't know. I just want to make sure the dog survives to the end of that game. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He can only go hunting, but he's good for something. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so this is a tough one for me, but... I do think, while I do enjoy the Robinson Crusoe, I love the how your decisions come back haunt you. Spirit Island just has a ton of depth to it. and always hits a table. I can play it in 30 minutes by myself or have a long game with four people. Spirit Island's my vote. By the way, just uh, verifying, yes, Friday is a Native American. And I guess in the board game, it's not entirely clear, but I do feel like he's being depicted as like an African tribesman. So come on, get your act together, game. But... Uh, <laughs> Who is next to vote? We've got two for Spirit Island, Elijah. Yeah, it's going to be Spirit Island here. It's a, it's a way better game. It's ranked three uh, for a reason. So um, C3 on BGG. Just like Pandemic Legacy Season 1 was ranked two for a reason? <laughs> we voted it out first round. Just like The Seventh Continent yeah. was ranked four for a reason? <laughs> All right, uh, that's three for Spirit Island. So it is advancing. But Colin and Peter, have your say. So uh, for me, it's no contest, like Spirit Island for sure. But I do think Robinson Crusoe, I mean, you, you got to remember that it is actually almost simultaneous as well, because you're all going to be choosing your actions together at the same time. You'll then activate them in a specific order. So you might do one action, then I'll do an action, then you'll do an action. It all depends. So I do like that both both of these games have somewhat of a simultaneous feel, but the depth, the complexity, the theme, everything uh, is is leaning towards Spirit Island for that. So Spirit Island for me. And Peter. Yeah, no, it's obviously Spirit Island for me. I think it's a great game. All right. So we've got Spirit Island and Journey's Middle Earth, the three seed versus the 31 seed. That is a wide gap for the privilege of going against Arkham Horror, the card game in the final match. And, uh, you know, I'm going to randomize again the voting uh, here and also at the end just to really mix it up. So, oh, I'm first. Okay. Yes, uh, definitely Spirit Island for me. I do think Journeys in Middle-Earth is pretty cool, but I agree with Elijah going back to what he said earlier, that the app is kind of a little bit too heavy-handed in this game. And uh, I think Spirit Island, they're both very accessible, but uh, Spirit Island, I love the one-off play of it, even though I like the campaign of Journeys in Middle-Earth. Okay, there are some scenarios I wasn't that enthralled with. So Spirit Island for me. Colin, you're next. 
Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Journeys. I was amazed that I'm thinking this, but I decided to go with Journeys because if I think about what I want to play with most people, it would actually be Journeys over Spirit Island because I feel like Spirit Island, it's a little bit slower. They're going to have a harder time. They have to be ready to do a lot of thinking. With Journeys, you get immersed. You're getting right into that game. You've got those simple decisions that can make long-term effects with deciding which cards to prep and where you're going to go across the board. Yeah, so for me, the adventure feel of Journeys actually outweighs the thinkingness of Spirit Island, which is amazing, but it is true. All right, so one and one, Elijah. Mm. Wow, interesting. It's, um, it's a, you know, these are both great games in their own right. It just being put together like this, you know, uh, I'm going to have to go with Spirit Island. It is, I think, the better game for me personally between the two. Journeys is a great game. I, I love the battle map and then zooming out to more the world map. I love the card draws and stuff, but Spirit Island, just the variety of the spirits and the whole concept is just a better game. That's two for Spirit Island, one for Journeys of Middle Earth. Steve, you're next. I'll reiterate that I enjoy exploring what a board game has to offer, and Spirit Island does it in spades. All the knobs you can turn, all the different player combinations, uh, so sorry, spirit combinations you can do, and the different player powers you can do. Love it. Spirit Island's my vote. All right, and that means Spirit Island's advancing, but Peter, what do you say? I were to pick Journeys in Middle-Earth. For me, it's a more exciting experience. I do have a problem with the end of Spirit Island a lot of times. Like you said, it sneaks up on you. And Journeys in Middle-Earth, I've had fun with every mission I've done so far. So for me, the fun factor is there in Journeys in Middle-Earth, where Spirit Island, and I've said this a lot of times, I love everything about the game, but then when I think about playing it, I don't want to play it. And I'm not really sure why. It's just the fun factor for Journeys in Middle-Earth is there for me, more, more so than Spirit Island. All right, so we go into an epic matchup, and it's funny with all the upsets we had that we still end up with some very, very high-seeded games. We've got Arkham Horror, the card game, the fifth seed overall, versus Spirit Island, the third seed overall. I have randomized the order. I'll tell you the entire order so you can all kind of anticipate. Uh, Peter is going to be first. I'm going to be second. Colin is third. Steve is fourth. And Elijah is fifth. So, Peter, Spirit Island or Arkham Horror, the card game? Well, for all the reasons I just said, I'm going to stick with Arkham Horror. I've really had fun, especially the later the campaign goes. I really think they've refined the mechanics really well. Just some of the cards they have where you're holding them in your hand and you can't tell the other person what's going on in your hand, but you are clearly making suboptimal plays. Things like that and the insanity mechanics just really stick out to me. And the story, even though I'm not a huge Arkham Horror or Lovecraft kind of guy, the stories are just really well written in Arkham Horror. So for me, those stick out in my mind much more so than anything I've done in Spirit Island. So I'm going with Arkham Horror. Oh my gosh, this is such a tougher decision than I thought it would be. Spirit Island is my number two solo game and Arkham Horror is my number one solo game. But I have to think about co-op. I have to get kind of nitpicky because both these games are fabulous for me. Uh, I guess if I had to nitpick, while I usually like simultaneous turns, I do feel like Spirit Island, I can often play my own island and play my own thing and not really interact much with the other players until mid to late game. Whereas Arkham Horror is kind of constantly deciding who's going to go where and I'm going to come and shoot like the monster on you or you're going to get the clue that I couldn't get or play cards on me. So, uh, I mean, it hurts to say, even though Arkham Horror is my number one game, this is so close in my mind. But yeah, I'm going to go for Arkham Horror as well. All right, Colin, you are third. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to seal the deal here. I think I'm going to put Arkham Horror over Spirit Island. Oh my which, gosh, really? Yeah. I never suspected that. No, I would not. Have, like I said, a month ago, I would not have said that. So I've been actually playing recently with Terrence from our Slack, and we have been having a blast playing this game. And I cannot believe how much fun I'm enjoying of Arkham Horror. And if I think about which game I want to play, it's going to be Arkham Horror over Spirit Island. And I, a lot of that has to do with the campaign. I am really enjoying the story of Arkham. I don't like the theme as much, but how the story unfolds and seeing how they do the scenarios and how different things, the different knobs they can pull and change, I really enjoy that. I I love Spirit Island, but the problem is is every time I play it, it's going to be the same type of thing. With Arkham Horror, every time I play it, the fun part is seeing how that encounter deck is going to screw us up and what we try and do together to be able to beat it. So yeah. That's Arkham Horror for me. Wow. All right. So that means Arkham Horror is the champion. But Steve and Elijah, we want to hear from you. Steve, you first. I guess and remain true to what I said earlier. I mean, if I chose Spirit Island for being more approachable, it definitely is here. I mean, Arkham's a fine game, but you got that deck building and it's not everyone's cup of tea. Not to mention some of the other decisions in the game with some of the randomness that's kind of can be an annoying factor in it. I got to go with the, the cooperation level in Spirit Island. I just far exceeds in Arkham, in my opinion. So definitely Spirit Island. All right. And Elijah, final word. So uh, Spirit Island to me is too much of a puzzle. And I like to role play it hard. And I feel that that comes through more in Arkham Horror. I'm also going to agree with Colin that what the designers are doing with this game, with the scenarios, the packs, and the campaigns that come out, you know, this game edges on lifestyle because they, I think the deck building is a little bit more approachable with how they've handled it. To me, the theme, the act, the agenda deck, the encounters, it can be kind of swingy, but it's also very co-op at the table as well, I, I feel. It's never dry. I think Spirit Island for me can be a little bit mathy and a little bit puzzly. And I never really feel that in Arkham. I mean, you can I can see it there, but um, it's always thematic. It just drips with theme. Which location are you going to go to? And you know, flipping over the act and agenda, even though you might have played them uh, right, the scenarios, they're still exciting. And then the different, like I go back to the classes play so differently. It's a really awesome game. So definitely I would have went with Arkham. All right. So there we go. Four to one for Arkham Horror, the card game. And at least according to One Stop Co-op Shop, that is the best co-op game of all time, at least out of the 32 that were chosen based on BGG ranking. Maybe there's some Dark Horse game that's ranked 1,000 on BGG, but we all love more. <laughs> I can't think of what it would be, but... Salvation uh, Road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Salvation Road. Oh, there you go. So actually, that's one kind of fun thing to do to close out the episode. Can each of you real quick think of a great co-op game that was not on this list, but that for you would have advanced really far? So just to give you guys some time to think, I'd like to say the Arkham Horror vs. Lord of the Rings debate is now closed. <laughs> Again, by transitive properties, Spirit Island defeated Lord of the Rings 4-1. to one. <laughs> Arkham Horror defeated Spirit Island 4-1. to one. So 8-2. to two. Lord of the Rings is defeated by Arkham Horror. Debate closed. <laughs> well, okay. So with that being said. <laughs> uh, so who's ready? Who, who's got a co-op that was not on this list of 32, but they think could totally contend with some of the games on here? I mean, for me, it's the mind. I, I think everybody knows that. I think everybody's heard me talk about it a lot of times. I actually thought it was going to be on this list. I don't think it would have won, but... For me, that game is just way more fun than it has any right to be. So I'm going to keep selling it to people. It's a $15 game. Don't even think about it. Go out and buy it. 
I'd like to throw out uh, Maximum Apocalypse, but I know you're not a fan of it, but I feel it's a really, really solid game. I'm not well, sure yeah, how This it... is not about what I think right now at all. It's, it's all you, so <laughs> I, go ahead, man. I mean, so so I'm leaning towards um, Brook City is also, I think, uh, would have been interesting to have on here, or the Street Masters uh, is not rate, which kind of surprised me, actually. But um, I'd probably throw Maximum Apocalypse in here. Um, so it gets pretty decent ratings on BGG. It's approachable. It's a lot of fun doesn't take itself too seriously and uh the components are great i think the design is pretty solid and you know it's it's a great game yeah i'll go next we actually played this at gen con this year and uh that'd be shadow rift i actually think shadow rift is a really fun unique deck builder that has a town mechanic that's really uh really makes you feel like you're actually fighting for something because these town folk can actually help you and then what the enemies do is instead of hurting you which sometimes they will they'll throw wounds at you and everything but they usually kill your townsfolk and how you die is when you reveal your town if it's all corpses you lose because there isn't a town to defend anymore so i i really like how that game plays out it's a lot of fun and it feels a lot more thematic than even something like aeon's end where you're going well i'm fighting for this 30 point hit point gloom uh, uh whatever it's called in that game grave hold grave hold thank you <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm fighting for that 30-point Gravehold versus with Shadow Rift, I'm actually fighting for a town, and they're going to help me as long as they don't die. I'd probably put a tilt in there. Just because of its unique factor, I got to mention U-Boat. I love that game. It's so different than any game I've ever played out there. And the immersion factor that is just off the charts. Nothing comes close to it in that category. It's fun that we sit down and play this game, and I've had people like, okay, there's a microphone, at some point, the enemies look, listen for us. You might have to speak quietly. And even if you have the microphone ter- feature turned off, people still st- start speaking, start whispering. They get so engrossed in the theme. It's so fun to see that. Not so much all the roles are different. And it's just, it's like the only actual real-time game I can think of, which is very unique. So, yeah, U-Boat is really shining for me lately. All right, and I'll finish up. I was actually going to say Street Masters, but you kind of already called that out uh, Elijah and honestly I would say Alter Quest over Street Masters even though I haven't played the full game yet I'm pretty sure that's going to knock it out for my favorite of that genre but I'll, I'll kind of go related to that and I'll call out Sentinels of the Multiverse now I do think this one is very hard to run so if you're playing with me you'll have a lot of fun but if you're not playing with me you might not have as much fun <laughs> I'll say that right off the bat but kind of like Spirit Island and some of the other games we've talked about, the ability to explore new decks and kind of play around with really fun stuff and just the infinite matchups of environment and villain and heroes is really, really fun. And this one is the interesting one in that I've played it on the app almost most of the time I played it on the app and that's solo. But when I'm playing it physically, I don't really like to play it solo nearly as much. I love to play it multiplayer because... It's as fast, it's fun, it's goofy. People like to get into their characters. I've had really, really awesome experiences playing it multiplayer. Again, with me almost running it as a GM, kind of, as well as playing one of the heroes. That makes the game go very quickly. You don't have to memorize all the dumb stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, if if you can get someone who knows the game well and can have it running smoothly, I think Sentinels of the Multiverse is awesome, and I really like it. So, all right, you made it, and we made it. 100 episodes of One Stop Co-op Shop. Ridiculous. I got to be honest, you guys can ignore the other 98 episodes, just listen to 99 and 100, and you've got all our opinions on everything. Seriously. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us for 100 episodes of the One Stop Co-op Shop. Thank you so much for all of you who have been with us from the beginning. And if you haven't been, I was just joking earlier, please stop by and listen to any episode that covers a game that sounds really interesting to you. Here are deeper thoughts and deeper dives on those games. Like That's the one thing I think we do really well is deep dive a game. So if you want to know everything, all the ins and outs before you make your purchasing decision, I think we've got 97 episodes worth of great stuff for you guys. Yeah, and we'll have to do this in another 100 episodes, assuming the rankings have changed somewhat. we got to assume that some games are going to break through, but we'll find out. Well, thanks for joining us again, and we will see you next week where we cover another great game. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week with another top five list. So the first year we did the podcast, the podcast, the podcast, how many beers have you had? (laughs) I was very specific about that just 10 seconds ago. (laughs) Please step into the squad car. Now it's 28. (laughs) How did you know I was driving in podcasting, sir? (laughs) Oh, man. The amount of growth. Why can't I say growth? <laughs> I say growth. Years, the stuff we grow. What's up with growth? Growth. Growth. The amount of growth we've had. Jeez. I, I can't believe it. Mike, say it take it over. Mike, just take it over. No. Seriously, lay off the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs>